How many times did you see Star Wars? I've only seen it once so far. I'm planning to go next weekend, hopefully, to the uh, McWayne Center and watch it on the big dome screen. My kids went and saw it there last weekend and said it was awesome. I just went and saw it at the regular theater so far. So, but yeah, I was ho- I was hoping to get to go see it again this weekend, but it just it didn't work out. How many times have you seen it? I've seen it twice. Um, and I would like to see it again, but I'm, you know, I'm not, if, if I, if, like, if I'd only seen it once, I would make more of a point to see it again. Like, I've seen it twice at this point, so it was kind of optional. Yeah. You know, if, if I, if I can get around to it one more time, um, you know, I, I, I would like to, but, um, it's not as it's not as mandatory. Yeah, I might uh, I might see it. I might see it this uh, next week, hopefully at the McWayne Center, and then uh, I probably give it some time, and maybe maybe when it comes to the Dollar Theater, go see it again. But but I'm probably gonna you can already uh, go on um, you know Google Play and purchase it, you know pre order it or whatever. I may wow. go, I may go ahead and do that so that when it comes out on Google Play. It automatically downloads into your into your account or whatever. I may go ahead and do that. Of course, they'll probably be you know twenty five, thirty dollars or something like that. Yeah, they uh, Star Wars is expensive on Google Play. They won't let you rent it. You have to buy it, and they've got the whole like six movies, and it's like a hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> yeah, Amazon. Is- because it's got all kinds of special features and all that kind of stuff in it. Right. The behind the scenes. Yeah. I don't understand why they don't. Um, they should sell, like, the um, the unaltered version and, you know, call it Star Wars Classic or whatever. You know, like the original ones that came out, the, the, you know, I'm before, hoping- before all the... I'm hoping that Disney will uh, will release them. You know, Lucas wouldn't do it. He... Right, that's a like... Um I'm hoping that Disney will do it, but I don't know. I haven't heard anything. I don't see why they wouldn't. You know, it's not it's not like it's not like they're that rare. Like if you happen to buy the movie, which you know I'm sure millions of people did. Yeah. On on a on VHS when it came out. I think we actually may have it that way. Yeah. Somewhere. You know, it, it, it's just, they should. Um, it doesn't, again, it's one of those situations where it's, it's, it's money in the bag. It doesn't cost them anything really. Um, especially if they only like, you know, sell it or, or larger set to, uh, like streaming. You know, they don't have to print new anything. They don't have to, like, you know, I know it would be nice to see him on Blu-ray. He claimed, Lucas claimed that they didn't exist anymore, you know, uh, which I don't believe. He claimed that when he uh, did all of his enhancements in 97, that the old ones were destroyed. But... Even if that were true, even if he didn't have the master tapes anymore, which would be really stupid for him to do, um, right. somebody's got a copy. You know, I used to have a copy of VHS, <laughs> right. VHS, you know, and, uh, 
I wore it out. I watched it so many times that it was, you know, not working anymore. So when I went to replace it, of course, I had to get the DVD special edition right. and all that kind of stuff. But which we, I watched it today, the first one with my daughter, because she went and saw the new one last week, and it had been so long since she saw any of them, she wanted to watch it again. So I watched it with her, and of course, it was the special edition. And I was like, yeah. well, yeah, you see this scene with Jabba the Hutt? It's not supposed to be there. <laughs> you know? Right. Built-in DVD commentary. I'm Actually, I wouldn't mind that scene so much if it didn't. At least, like, a whole, like, clearly had the same, same line that they used somewhere else. Like, yeah. Uh, even I get bored sometimes, I think it was. And, like, like, you just said that. You just said that to be, you know, like, one minute ago, why would you play them in the same? Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's why they. I mean, that's that's why they cut the scene out because, for one thing, they were having technical problems when they filmed it, and then um, they hadn't even designed Jabba yet. They didn't even know what he was going to look like. So when they right. filmed, when they filmed the scene, they just had this guy standing there. So. When right. they when they designed Very Jabba, cool they, they designed him with this big tail, you know. And then there's a, a part of the scene where Han walks around him, and so they said, "Well, there's a tail there," you know. So they had to make Han step on the tail, and it just lit, didn't look right because they had to shift his whole image. Yeah. And he stepped up and everything, and yeah, because I just watched it today, like, I, and I was like, "That does, that looks terrible," <laughs> you know. Yeah, like, we're, I, 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 we're all laughing at it, you know, but. I appreciate what they're trying to do, or what you were trying to do, uh, but it didn't didn't really work on that one. Yeah, trying to see if uh, Rick's tried to message me. Anybody has it? Let me try again. May go ahead and just start, and then uh, let him come in when he uh, when he's able to. Which I'll probably okay. I'll probably everything that we're talking about here, I'll probably just leave in. Let me stop for just a second and try, I'm going to try and add Rick one more time. Yeah. I'll edit all this, on, all this out. Okay, he says, uh, he just sent me a message on Facebook and said, uh, I guess he lost track of time. He said, give him five minutes and he'll be good to go. So. Oh, if you want to hold off. Yeah, let's yeah. hold off for just a second so he can be part of the, um, part of the game. Yeah. I got a new microphone for Christmas. I'm kind of excited about it. Because <laughs> the one that I was using was just, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Wish.com, but it's basically, uh-uh. it's basically this app that you can download and you can order. They got all kinds of cheap stuff, but it's all coming from China, so you order it. And, uh, oh, <laughs> Rick said he thought that he thought we were starting at 8.30. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um he's gonna call here in just a minute. But um anyway you order cheap stuff and it it comes from China so you have to wait forever to, for it to get there. But when we started doing the podcast I ordered my microphone from there. And it was like twelve dollars and it's a pretty decent microphone. But um my wife and my mother in law put their money together and got me a really nice one for Christmas because I'm doing this show and I'm also doing another podcast that's just me talking about, you know, trying to lose weight and stuff like that. And, uh, so bragging about my toys. 
you should check out the uh, the podcast that Rick does on uh, Simply Syndicated. Um, called um, well, I mean, he's not the host of it; he's like a co-host. There's like four four people on it, and it's just called Movie News, and they just sit. It's just them talking about movies and TV shows that are coming out and stuff. You know, it's it's a pretty good show. Have you listened to High Chan's show at all? Yeah, I've listened to. I think I listened to all of them actually. Uh, I, I held off on the. Uh... There's Star Wars one. Yeah, so, I haven't listened to that one yet because I hadn't uh, seen the movie yet when it yeah. came out. So yeah, so they um, it's it's mainly like they they they're just kind of posting theory because this is before it came out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so they didn't uh, they didn't uh, spoil anything. They not not really. Um, I think they strongly indicated that the rumor was that Han was going to die. Yeah. Um, I, now, I did hear that episode where they were talking about their theory, but they've come out with another one since then that I thought was going to be kind of like, we've we've seen the movie and now we're talking about it, so I didn't, I didn't listen to that one. They, um, it, it was, but they, it, was, it was, it was pretty spoiler free. Oh, okay. I would, I would say they, they did a, they did a good job of um, uh, you know talking about it and reviewing it without really spoiling any major thing. Yeah. Are you there, Rick? I thought I heard. I thought I heard it pick up. Oh, he says I'm here, but something's wrong. I don't know. I don't know, Rick. If you can, if you can hear me, I'm going to hang up on you and uh, and call you right back. And see if it uh, and see if it works. Hello, Rick, you there? I feel, I feel like like we're holding a seance or something. Like we're just <laughs> 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 ask questions into the void. I'm, I'm, hearing, some, some, I'm uh, hearing something, Rick. I'm hearing some static. Is that wait, you? wait, wait? There you are. Hey, hey. yeah. Uh, okay, might, you might want to turn it down just a little bit. Oh yeah, sorry, I. I, I my cat was walking all over my desk this afternoon, and she pushed some buttons on my on my mixer that I didn't notice. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. So, okay, <laughs> we interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. <laughs> Hey everybody and welcome to the first 2016 episode of Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray and sitting across the virtual table from me is my co-host, Obi John Kenobi. John, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, Sean Solo. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing great. And, uh, And joining us here from the Simply Syndicated Network is friend of the show and hero of the Rebel Alliance, Rick. How are you tonight, sir? Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm having as many problems as the Millennium Falcon right now, but uh, otherwise things are fine. <laughs> no, that's fine. Hey, 
we never claim to be high production value <laughs> or anything like that. This is just, you know, a bunch of guys sitting around talking about movies. So, you know, we'll, 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 we'll get through. But, um, so the holidays are behind us. Did everybody have a good uh, Christmas and a good New Year? Uh, good like, is a relative like term. A no. <laughs> well, it, it seemed to last about 35 seconds and then yeah. it was gone. Yeah. Yeah, I was just telling John that uh, I have to go back to work tomorrow. I'm not looking forward to that, but and I actually am am very much looking forward to going back to work tomorrow. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that, that, no, that I don't want that to sound awful. I just really like my job. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot the extended vacations of it, uh, get to me after a while. I, I get antsy to get back to work. So as you can tell from our introductions, uh, t- the the show tonight is going to be heavy with Star Wars. All of us have seen uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. And I want to just warn our listeners up front that we're going to be discussing The Force Awakens in detail. So there will be spoilers. This is going to be kind of like a bunch of guys that have just seen the movie, hanging out afterwards, talking about what we just saw. And that's just impossible to do without giving some stuff away. So if you haven't seen the film, you should definitely turn off this podcast and come back after you've had a chance to to see it. But, um, but before we do that, we got... We got a couple other things that we want to talk about, but before we do any of that, I want to play a quick game, real quick game. Just it's uh, two of our topics tonight are going to be Star Wars and Star Trek. So I tried to find a trivia game that kind of pits the two against each other, you know. So I've got a few trivia questions that are Star Wars versus Star Trek. So mm. uh, I'll try and uh, I'll try and keep. I've only got six questions, so I'll try and keep score between. Uh, Rick and John, and see which one of them does the best. If you know the answer, just 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 spit out the answer. Okay, so um, the first question is between Star Wars and Star Trek, in which universe is the planet Camino? That's uh, Star Wars. Yes, it is Star Wars. That's the planet where Obi Wan discovered Jango and Boba Fett. Yeah. Okay. I have to say, the only reason I know that is because uh, I got a Star Wars ABCs book for my little girl, uh, and the Kaminoans are in it. Otherwise, because that's that's prequel crap, and I I try to forget as much of that as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, second question: Which of these uh, Star Trek actors provi- provided a voice on Star Wars Clone Wars? Was it uh, William Shatner? Armin Shimmerman, George Takei, or Jonathan Frakes? I'll say George Takei. That is correct. Wow. He I did was, not he, know that. He voiced, uh, if I pronounce it correctly, it was Loke Durd in the episode Defenders of Peace. I've, I've never seen it, uh, but I just I know he <laughs> I know he he done some other uh, some other uh, cartoon voice work. So I don't think I my educated guess. I never actually sat down and watched Clone Wars. I did see the the film that was supposed to be the first what three or four episodes that they decided to release as a as a movie, and uh, and I right. saw that I saw that uh, animated series that they did before that that was more traditional animation, and that the episodes were only about ten minutes long. I saw that, yeah. But as far as clone the actual Clone Wars, I never sat down and watched an episode of it, so. So I, I didn't know that. <laughs> I, yeah, I haven't I've, seen I've, any of Clone Wars. I've seen a I few, recommend- and they're, they're, they're good. And I just never, you know, it's, it's one of those things on my list. Like, I've, you know, 
I've, I've never just sat down and binged them. Although I could, they do on Netflix. I think by episode three, I was just, you know, and not that out of the prequels, episode three was the best out of those three movies. But by the time I got yeah. done with that one, I was, I, I'm done with Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. that, you know, that that's kind of like saying out of getting kneecapped with an iron pipe twice or punched in the teeth. Yeah. I like the punch in the teeth better. I like it better. It, <laughs> it feels better. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I would like to say though, I, I, yeah, I haven't seen any of Clone Wars either because the further adventures of Anakin Skywalker just did not appeal to me in the least. Yeah. Uh, but Star Wars Rebels, I've seen all but one episode of that now, and it's really good. Yeah, I've I seen about the first um, maybe six or seven episodes of the first season, and I yeah, I enjoy it. It is it's a it's a pretty good show. I like it. It's a little more grown up than I thought it was going to be because it kind of yeah. it kind of looked kitty, you know. But but then when you watch it, and you're seeing the, the stormtroopers are actually getting blown up and. <laughs> Oh yeah, like that, you know? lots of people get dead in this one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, question number three: In which universe would you find Commander Cody? The 1950s uh, <laughs> serial. <laughs> <laughs> That's that sounds like Star Wars. That sound, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Attack of the Clones. You know, kind of sounded like an old oh, Buck right, Rogers right. episode or something. But you, do you know John? Oh, I thought he, he, well, uh, he gets Star Wars. So yeah. I will, by default, yes, Star Trek in case he's wrong. No, it, yeah, <laughs> it was Star Wars. He was one of the, uh, he was one of the clones. He was, Commander Cody was one of the clones. And I think, I think he was actually named in, in episode three when they actually started using the clones as, you know, stormtroopers or whatever. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think you're right. Question four. In which universe would you find Arnie Darvin? Arn Darvin was Arn, the... Arn Darvin, excuse he, me. He was the station... Uh, he was the special attache to Sherman's planet uh, on the, and the Trouble with Tribbles episode in Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, he was... Wow. Uh, he was the Klingon, <laughs> played by Charlie Brill. That's deep trivia. He was in the, uh, the original <laughs> series, and he was also on Deep Space Nine. Okay, um, question number five. Which of these Star Wars planets was mentioned in Star Trek? Was it Tatooine, Alderaan, Kashyyyk, or Endor? I'm going to say Alderaan. You're trying to make me say words you don't want me to say on your show. When did, <laughs> when did that ever happen? It was actually not no, – nobody actually named the planet. There was there was a uh, a list of planets on a screen. Oh. And it was actually it – ha- it actually happened three times. It happened twice on, uh, on The Next Generation, and it happened once on Deep Space Nine, but it was Alderaan. Yeah. Yeah, now that you mention it, you're, yeah. Okay, last question. Which of these Star Wars characters makes an appearance in 2009 Star Trek? Was it R2-D2. Yeah, it was R2-D2. <laughs> yeah, he was in a, uh, uh, a debris field of, from an explosion. So. Okay. When, when, when the Enterprise drops out of warp at Vulcan and there's all of the shattered remains of the fleet, uh, you, you can't see it like when you're watching. You have to freeze frame it, but R2 floats past the view screen. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube. Somebody zooms in and slows it down and everything, and you'll see it. But Okay, so um, 
let's move into some of our discussions. The fir- first thing I wanted to talk about was the uh, the Doctor Who Christmas special, and I'm not gonna loved it. Did you? I don't. I don't want to spoil too much because John hasn't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. And John's actually behind on the uh, on the whole past season, so I don't want to give away too much of what happened. But I guess two top spots in sci-fi royalty go to uh, Star Wars and Star Trek. So we'll talk about we're going to talk about both of them. But the number three spot goes to Doctor Who, and we were talking last episode about how much we like the uh, the Doctor Who Christmas special that comes out every year. And Rick, you know more about the old uh, Doctor Who. Did they used to do Christmas specials in the old days, or did they? Is it no? That's that... that's that's all new Who. That's okay. uh, that's all from, from two thousand. When did it start? Two thousand five. Yeah. Two thousand five. Yeah. That that all started then. Okay. Back back when uh, you know in the in the pre dark times when the BBC just sort of stopped making Doctor Who. They never officially canceled it. They just kind of stopped doing it for a while. Yeah. Um. It was just a, it was a daily, uh, it was a daily show I think, and each episode was about twenty four minutes long, and each story was usually four to seven installments long. So the the long form forty two to forty four minute uh, single episode sometimes I'll be two parters or whatever incarnation of Doctor Who that we're used to now is a relatively new thing in the fifty year history of the show. Right. And these um, these Christmas specials that they've been doing since the since the show came back, they usually save some of the some of the big stuff for those episodes. You know, like uh, David Tennant's first actual adventure was in a, the Christmas episode uh, from two thousand six, I think. And uh, Matt Smith's last appearance was in the Christmas episode. You know, I think David Tennant his. His last two episodes were a Christmas special and a New Year's special, you know, a week apart. So, the Christmas episode, if you're a Doctor Who fan, is something to watch. You know, it's, it's not one that you want to miss, but... Well, they don't, always, they don't always have important stuff happening in them, too. No, so, no, not always, not always, but they usually do when they're going to do something big. Something. Yeah, when they're going to do something big, they want to... They save it. They don't do it during the regular season. They'll save it for the, like when Matt Smith was leaving, they could have done his regeneration at the end of that season, but they didn't. They saved it for the, for the yeah. Christmas episode. So it's kind of like a bonus episode because it's not usually part of the, the season. It's like an extra episode that comes out. Well, the last one last year was supposed to be Clara's last episode, and then she changed her mind. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. They, they they kind of announced that she's going to leave. A, oh, she's gone. Times, but yeah. But yeah. Well, this but, time uh, she finally has another job. So. Oh, does she? Okay. Yeah. But uh, so this this episode um, featured the return of River Song. So just to give a, a short plot summary without giving away a lot, you know, the, the Doctor finds River as she's trying to to pull off her her next heist. And uh, he knows her, but she hasn't seen his his current face. She hasn't seen him as Peter Capaldi, you know, so she doesn't know that it's him. And she steals the TARDIS, which the Doctor kind of allows it to happen, and she kind of hints that she's done it before. She might have done it a lot, <laughs> you know, and he didn't know about it. So, uh, so Rick, what did you think of the episode? Uh, well, first, first you have to... 
well, one thing I heard uh, saw a lot of grumbling about uh, after the episode came out was uh, it plays kind of fast and loose with the timeline. Yeah. Uh, however, complaining about continuity in Doctor Who is kind of like sending a steak back at Denny's. Uh, <laughs> you should have known what you were getting into before you ordered it. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, be that as it may, I thought this was one of their best Christmas specials in years. Um, it was a lot of fun. I love River. Uh, what's her name? Alex Kingston? Alex Kingston, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I adore her, and so seeing her one more time was great. Uh, I you know I won't go into the into spoilers because to be quite honest I don't remember everything that happened it all happened so fast and furious yeah. it was just an, uh, an awesome I, I at one point though I did turn to my wife and I, I like paused and was like now check me on this that's the same set they used for Face the Raven right <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> <either>. <laughs> um, you know when they were in the the town there. Um, yeah. But uh, I just I thought it was fantastic. Oh yeah, you're uh, right. That did, yeah, I, that, did, that crossed my mind too. Yeah, <laughs> that town did look familiar from from this past season. But mm-hmm. I think they turned the lights up a little bit. It wasn't as dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there weren't any Cybermen lurking around the corner. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think you know, especially as one of the ones that doesn't really affect continuity that much, at least as far as the current season goes. Yeah. Now this episode really didn't, uh, other than having to know who river was yeah uh there there wasn't anything else in the episode that you had to you know that that tied into anything else or tied up anything else or depended on anything else it was a it was a nice little self-contained episode that really showcased uh alex kingston uh and she and capaldi had great chemistry yeah i thought so too i like her chemistry with matt smith a little better but you know matt smith is just you know he's so fast with his with his uh, comebacks and stuff, when she when when they're sparring against each other, that you know it's a little bit different. But yeah, they they did have a, a pretty good chemistry between the two of them too. Now let me, let me ask you this, and and John, this may sound like a spoiler, but it isn't. So don't worry about it. Because out of context, it won't mean anything to you. Did you tear okay. up at the line, "Hello, sweetie"? I didn't tear up, but I did kind of get a chill. You know, I, I choked. I yeah. choked up a little yeah. bit. <laughs> when she finally realized who he was. Yeah. yeah I was... Because River is so smart. I was kind of surprised that it took her that long to figure out who he was. You know, I thought she was but, faking it. I, you know, to yeah, be honest, I thought yeah. she was just you know playing him along, but then it was like, oh no, she's not. And just to, just to give a quick history of if, if any of the listeners watch Doctor Who but don't really remember who River was. She was uh she was conceived in the TARDIS by Amy and Rory. So she's not really a time lord, but she still has like an expanded lifespan. And they kinda hinted in some past episodes that she might have some regenerations, not not as many as as the Doctor, but you know, at least a couple. But she and the Doctor had a romance. But uh what Rick was talking about a few minutes ago about the um continuity is that when she was first introduced in the series it was blatantly said that they are on opposite timelines so the first time that the doctor saw her was the last time that she saw him you know she she died in that episode um silence uh, in the library in the library yeah and then they so when i heard that i thought that eventually we'd get an episode where the doctor would see her and she wouldn't know who he was anymore, and it would be kind of heartbreaking to him. 
but they I think they just kind of threw that out the window. <laughs> yeah. They just decided that, you know, they're just going to they're going to remember all their adventures together, you know, so which I'm, you know, I'm 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 fine with it. If you if you want to just do that, that's fine, you know. I just uh it was just something that I was hoping for in the future that it didn't look like we're going to get, you know. Now the rest of the episode, the the base the the, the story around the two of them was kind of Doctor Who at its silliest, but Yeah. The Christmas specials tend to be, so I didn't mind that too much. Okay, well, without spoiling anything for people that haven't seen it, do you do you think that that's pretty much it for River, or do you think it was left... I kind of think it was left kind of ambiguous as to whether or not she'd be able to come back in the future. I, I think that it's getting progressively more difficult to bring her in without it being incredibly contrived. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying they won't. I'm. I will just say that I, as much as I adore the character, I think if they do anything else with her, it, they need to stop. They just let it. Let yeah. it. Let her go. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, because anything, like you said, they they really kind of ignored what happened before to bring her in for this one. Right. And then they would have to pretty much ignore everything that happened in this one if they were to bring her back again. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I just. Which, I mean, it may be a Moffat thing to always leave everything ambiguous. Well, so yeah. That, so that he can, you know... If I would never want to play poker with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Well, our uh, next topic is um, Star Trek Axanar. Oh, God. So, uh... This is getting messier all the time. Yeah. Yeah, there was some stuff that came out today about it. But, um... John, I don't know if you've heard about this or not, but uh, Paramount and CBS are filing a lawsuit against uh, Star Trek Axanar, which is a a fan film that was being made from funds being raised uh, by Kickstarter and crowdfunding sites and stuff like that. They, they made a short film already that was called Prelude to Axanar, and this was supposed to be the first actually professionally made full-length motion picture based on Star Trek but made as a fan film, so apparent, so Paramount and CBS weren't part of it, you know. And Paramount apparently doesn't like that. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, there's more to it than that. Uh, it, it's it's a little more, actually, a lot more complicated than that. And I've I've found out some things recently that have me very concerned. Uh, if if folks aren't aware, there is a very very industrious, thriving fan community making Star Trek. Uh, films and TV shows have been for years uh, with varying levels of competency. Uh, I have tried to watch a lot of them and, and, and a lot of them it's just painful. You know, yeah. they, they usually have really good production values because the ability to create, a, a lot of them deal with the TOS era uh, because how hard it, it's really not that hard to replicate those 60s era sets right now right um and you know with computer graphics and stuff you know a lot of it looks really good but most of them are not professional actors so you've got a bunch of people in really good looking costumes on really good looking sets who couldn't act their way out of a paper bag and i just they have great following so obviously someone digs it but i can't yeah. stomach it. i've tried with one exception and that is star trek continues which is in my opinion, the gold standard for fan films. Uh, they're doing the, the the fifth year of the Enterprise. Uh, so you've got... It's it's the original crew, not played by the original people, obviously. 
son, you know, but they also have like uh, Vic Mignogna, who's the head of the thing, uh, has been is a very successful uh, anime voice actor, uh, and has been devoted to Star Trek his whole life, and so he's he's the the brains behind the whole thing, and he plays Kirk, and he does a fabulous job of doing Kirk without being a parody of Shatner. Right. Um, their Spock is okay. Their McCoy is is not half bad. Um, they've got Jimmy Doohan's son playing Scotty, which is just eerie as all hell. Um, he I forget looks, his. Yeah, he looks a lot like him in his in his young days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the <laughs> I hate to say this because I love Grant Imahara to death. He's playing Sulu. If you know if you if you're familiar with MythBusters, that's where Grant comes from. Yeah. Uh, I love Grant as a MythBuster. Uh, he is an incredibly skilled uh, special effects technician and roboticist, and he even played C-3PO back when he used to work for for ILM uh, on occasion. But the dude cannot act <laughs> to save his life. Fortunately, he only has like one or two lines of an episode. But any, I'm sorry, I'm I, I digress. Anyway, there's there's a lot of these these companies doing this, and Paramount and CBS are aware of them. And as long as it's strictly uh, nonprofit, as long as no money's being made, uh, Paramount has tended to turn a blind eye to it. Not necessarily, con- uh, you know, outright endorsing it, right. but not saying "thou shalt not" either. Uh, then two years ago, Prelude to Axanar came out, and this takes place. Uh, if you're familiar with the the, the original series, it was an ep- episode called "Whom Gods Destroy." Where uh, Kirk and Spock get trapped on a, in an insane asylum, and it's being it's been taken over by a man by the name of Garth of Izar, who used to be a hero of the Federation, but then lost his mind and tried to uh, you know destroy planets with his starship and stuff, and ended up in this insane asylum. Uh, well, Garth of Izar was a hero of a battle called Axanar, and so this fan film uh, they had Richard Hatch, J.G. Hertzler, um, Tony Todd. Uh, several other people, several big name people involved in this, and it was it was done documentary style. It was just a bunch of talking heads. Yeah. Uh, Richard Hatch plays a, the Kl- a Klingon. The, the the idea is the Battle of Axanar was a battle between the Klingon Empire and, and the Federation. And Richard Hatch, who was Apollo in the original Battlestar Galactica, was a Klingon. J.G. Hertzler, for once, didn't have to put on a ton of makeup. He was just a human. Uh, he was uh, Martok from DS9. Uh, Tony Todd, if he needs an introduction, you shouldn't be listening to this show. <laughs> um, you know, it was all these people, and it was just talking heads. It was just them in front of a green screen, and there was there was some you know battle graphics and stuff, really really good computer stuff behind them, and it was really good. And they used that as a springboard to do Kickstarter and other uh, crowdsourcing funds to raise money to do a full full length feature film of the Battle of Axanar. Uh, and I, you know, I got a little worried about this as things went on because I was all for it. I think I, I think I kicked in. I'm not sure. I don't remember anymore. Um, but they started raising a lot of money. Like up, they made they they raised over a million dollars for this project. Yeah, and I think their goal was only less. It was less than a hundred thousand. I think. Yeah. And they they raised like a million dollars, like you said. And they released a teaser. Well, not a teaser trailer, but like a, a five minute bit of the film last year. Starring, oh, and I can't remember the guy's name. He played Sovak, in, not Sovak, um, Soval in Enterprise, the the, the Vulcan ambassador. Tuvok. Sent, no, not Tuvok. Tuvok. Now you're talking about the guy that no, used to play on. Uh, that's Tim Russ. Now you're talking about the guy that used to play on uh, Alien Nation. 
because uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, because he was also in that dreadful Star Trek Renegades. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you know, and it was really professional looking stuff. And but they've been very, very loud about what they're doing. And what I found out today, what I didn't realize was that not only had they been very, you know, we are doing something that is professional level and will rival anything Paramount does. And they've been saying stuff like this for a while now. They were also building a studio called they were going to call it Axinar Studios. Um, And essentially what has happened uh, to distill this down to an already too long diatribe here, is they finally got too big and too loud for Paramount to not pay attention. Right. And especially with Paramount announcing that they're they're going to have a new Star Trek series premiering next year. Uh, well, 2017. Yeah. Well, I guess that's like that's that next, next year, year now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, I, I just don't think they could pay. They could they could ignore it any longer. And so they have hit them with uh, uh, an injunction so that no matter what happens, Axanar cannot move forward at this point in time. Uh, They are suing them for three different types of copyright infringement, uh, which could could lead to dozens of different counts, plus, quote-unquote, reasonable attorney fees. Which there's no such thing when you're using entertainment attorneys. Right. Uh, so Axinar is effectively dead in the water. Uh, yeah. They are they are saying they're going to fight, but they don't have a legal leg to stand on because they, you know, uh, one thing I learned when I started podcasting, I started looking into copyright law, and it's an incredibly complex area. But it kind of boils down to copyright violation is whatever the person who holds the copyright thinks it is right so you could sit there and go well we're not making a profit or we're not and it doesn't matter everybody thinks you know just if you're not making any money then you can do whatever you want no copyright is in the eye of the beholder and the beholder is the person who who holds the copyright right Uh, and i think axonar is going down in flames and that really disappoints me because i was so looking forward to that because it was going to be awesome but they just yeah i think it's i think it's going to take some of this other stuff down with it that's the thing I'm really worried about. Yeah, I think I think because I mean, how are they going to be able to go after Axanar and they're not going to say anything about Star Trek Continues or? Well, you know. the thing is, what Axanar is doing that those others aren't is trying to set up a, pro- a professional, uh, uh, you know, a professional studio. One one thing I learned the other day. Tony Todd left the project four months ago because of it, what he saw as irregularities and improprieties. Yeah. Um, so that you know, I the, the day that this got announced, I signed a petition saying I stand with Axonar and Paramount and CBS should really not do this. And I, I have some of the things I've learned since makes me kind of wish I hadn't done that. Uh, I, I think Ax, the, the the people doing Axonar are not really playing by the rules as they were set out. And I'm I, I, I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that the others are are staying within the boundaries that Paramount has set up and they're staying, you know, every bit of money that they make in their crowdfunding is going right back into the production. Nobody's making any money. Yeah. Uh, you know, aside from mi- maybe minimal payments to things like, you know, places like like film processing 
uh, you know, or the the carpenters that have to work on the sets or stuff like that. You know, you've got to buy things, you've got to buy materials and things. So there there has to be some funding put out there. But nobody is getting rich doing Star Trek continues. But I think people were making making money on Axanar, and I think that's the problem. Well, they can kill Star Trek Renegades, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, please, <laughs> John. Have you ever watched any of these uh, fan films? I know we talked about uh, Renegades. Um, I, well, I talked about it on one of our early episodes, and uh, I, I told you about some of these, but I didn't know if you had ever had a chance to watch any of them. Uh, no, I was uh, sufficiently warned away from uh, <laughs> from the Renegades experience. Yeah, Renegades is, is, is well, I won't go into too much detail, but they can they can kill I'm, that one as far as I'm concerned, and they do raise. They're making a lot of money, yeah. They raised funds off of, off of a Kickstarter, and they they made one episode, and then they're they're right now they're raising funds to make two more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love Star Trek, but I don't need it that bad. I don't, <laughs> I don't need it so bad that I need to sit down and watch something that I know is going to be bad, you know, to begin with. I've seen I've seen Star Trek Five a few times, but it's not one of my go to <laughs> films, you know. <laughs> Star, well, there, there Trek, is... Star Trek Generations is not the best. I sat down and watched it today just because it was on, you know. But there is hope for Renegades in that uh, while they they they've recruited a bunch of uh, former actors, including uh, Sirach Lofton. Ooh, that <laughs> yippee! He was Jake Sisko. Yeah, Jake. Um, uh, I, Terry Farrell has signed on. Tim Russ, big shock. Um, Tim Russ will do. Tim Russ is is. Never mind. <laughs> I'm going to not use. Words. <laughs> Keep it clean. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say Tim Tim Russ uh, is is willing to do just about anything if he's getting paid. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But uh, they've also managed to get uh, Melinda Snodgrass, who was one of the writers on Voyager, and I think. Enterprise, because uh, that was the problem with Renegades. Was the writing was terrible. Yeah. Uh, so, they had good actors. They just didn't give them anything good to do. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, they're bringing in a lot of Star Trek uh, actors and stuff. I don't know if they're all playing the characters that they played on Star Trek or if they're. It would be awful hard for Terry Farrell to play Dax. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say because her character died, and this is supposed to be after all that, you know. So unless they're going to have her in some kind of a time warp or in well, a flashback a or something like that, you know. Wait a minute, I, Chekhov is still alive in Renegades. Yeah, he's old. So I think this they would have name. They gave, they gave his age in the last one, but I can't. It was like a hundred and seventy something. Oh, so maybe okay. Yeah, never mind. Then. Yeah, he uh, was he was Admiral Chekhov, it, and so this was all supposed to take place after. It was in the Star Trek Prime universe, but it was supposed to be after Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Oh, okay, that, so. okay. I'll never mind that. Yeah, so she's supposed she's supposed to be dead, you know, but they could bring her back. I guess they can do whatever they want if they're doing a fan film. But yeah, well, have you have you heard of Star Trek Prime? <laughs> I've heard of it. I haven't watched that one. No. It, it, it's well, it's, there's nothing to watch yet, but uh, they've announced it. Um, Gates McFadden's involved with that one. Oh, which, okay. uh, the, 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 Go ahead. I'm sorry. The the con the, the concept for that one 
is in the TOS episode Bread and Circuses, the one on the Roman planet. Yeah. Uh, the night before Kirk is supposed to be executed, uh, they send a slave named Drusilla to his his uh, cell or chamber or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and uh, she is to give him one last night as a man. And so, uh, you know, about as close as 1969 TV would, would let them get to admitting that you know, some bumping of uglies happened. Right. Um, so Star Trek progeny, it, the, the premise is that the daughter of the girl who was born to Drusilla after Kirk left. So Kirk's granddaughter, uh, I guess leaves the planet and becomes a force to be, you know, somehow ends up on a Starfleet ship or something. The first one that I remember watching was back in, which I, they're still making it. It started in like 08, I think, and it was called, it was originally called, uh, Star Trek Phase 2. And the acting is not great, but the, uh, they've got some pretty good stories. Uh, they changed the name recently to Star Trek New Voyages, I think. Yeah. But it's, it, again, it's supposed to be the, uh, the continuation of the original series, and I mean, I had Kirk, the guy that plays Kirk, his hair is completely fake, you know, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. But uh, they they've been able to get some of the uh, actors from Star Trek to come and uh, have pretty big pretty big parts on episodes. They had an episode with Walter Koenig, and they had an episode with George Takei, and I think Denise Crosby was in a couple of episodes, you know. Oh, well, she's even easier to get than Tim Russ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she showed up on The Walking Dead for like five minutes, and, and they're like Denise Crosby on the next episode of The Walking Dead, and then she's dead like five minutes into the episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean it's it, it's not as good as Star Trek Continues because Star Trek Continues. I was telling my wife this earlier. Some of those episodes are some of the best Star Trek that I've ever seen, as far as the storylines go. Yeah, like I watched the one I can't, I can't remember the name of the new one that just came out a few months ago. Uh, the one, the, the Civil War one. Yeah, the Civil War. Yeah, one. and uh, that was a great episode. You know, divided we stand. That's yeah, 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 that was a really uh, great episode. And then uh, they had one, come, they had one uh, a while back where Lou Ferrigno, yeah, uh, was playing a uh, Orion slave trader, so he was back in the green makeup. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, la- I laughed pretty hard when I saw that, but he he did a pretty good job on that. And that was a powerful episode with yeah. A, a, yeah. a not very happy ending. I was yeah, I was I was not. I well, let me. I don't want to say I. I all right, hang on. I'm trying to put this the right way. It's not an ending I liked, but it was a very, it was a very good ending. Yeah, it was it was a bold ending. It was brave of them to do do it the way they did. So, I, I mean, if you're a Star Trek fan, I do recommend Star Trek Continues. You can find, they've got five episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. They're working on their sixth one, and you can find all of them on YouTube. And uh, they're all about an hour long, 50 minutes, something like that. You know, So it's about the same as watching an episode of Star Trek. So I, I, I do recommend that. But Let's move on to our main topic, which is Star Wars The Force Awakens. Oh, God, it sucks. <laughs> and how many times did you have to go see it to find that? <laughs> Three. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, John and I were talking before the show started um, that uh, 
he's going to see it twice. I've only seen it once so far. I'm planning to go see it again probably next week at the big IMAX dome screen that we have here in Birmingham. Um, my kids saw it there last week and said that it was awesome as long as you sit far enough back to where you're not having to crane your head. Because it's not like a regular IMAX screen where it's just curved in front of you. This one actually domes over you, so you have to look up and look around at everything to see everything. Yeah, so, we've, uh, we've got one of those here. I, I've never seen an, uh, a, a theatrical film there. Yeah. But I've seen IMAX films there, and yeah, I, I don't care for the domes myself because they distort the picture. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give this one a shot. Like I said, I, I, I wanted to see this film in the regular format that it was intended for first and then go see it there, you know. So mainly because the sound system is so great there. I imagine, you know, hearing all the ships just come out from behind you and everything is going to be pretty awesome. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, we went and saw it the day after Christmas, and it was funny because, you know, with films like this, you always want to look at it straight on so you get to the theater early so that you can get a seat right in the middle of the theater where you're not having to sit to the side and look at it you know catty cornered or whatever we got there just as the previews were starting we were running a little bit late and i walk in it's 11 o'clock in the morning the day after christmas and the middle section of the theater is completely packed (laughs) and the sides have absolutely nobody you know (laughs) so we managed to find a couple of seats in the center where we were able to watch it. But uh, I, I thought that was fun. I told my wife, yeah, nobody's going to sit on the sides and try to watch Star Wars. And nobody was sitting in the front. The, the front five rows, I think, were completely empty, too. <laughs> you know? Not by choice. Yeah. <laughs> 3D or 2D? It was just 2D. Okay, yeah. I don't I don't go for the 3D as much as I used to. You know, I, I've gotten burned on it a few times. Where I go well, and pay I, the extra money for 3D, and then and then it's just not worth it. I agree. Um, I, I I almost never see in 3D, but um, <clears throat> special occasion. So uh, we uh, uh, a few of my coworkers and I saw it. When I saw it the first time, we saw it in um, IMAX and 3D. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the 3D, I, I can't say if it's worth it. Um, I can say that it was very good. Like it, it was, you know, the uh, for me, kind of the best 3D experience I've had in terms of like uh, uh, going to the movies um, was was Avatar because normally 3D is oh it's snowing and here's some snow and yeah. oh it's an explosion and here's some shrapnel and oh somebody's poking you and here's the poking thing, um, but <laughs> but. <laughs> But but Avatar, um, you know, really kind of did things. It it really had a sense of depth, um, visually, <laughs> in the sense that like, um, you know, the foreground looks closer to you, and like things. So like every scene was in 3D, not just the special, not just the quote unquote special effects scenes. Right. Um, and this movie kind of did that too. Um, and, and I'm I'm with you. I've, I've the, some Marvel movies come to mind, but yeah, I've, I've been burned on 3D. Um, but it, it, I don't feel like if you if you, if you choose to spend the extra money, I don't think you'll be disappointed. No. Um, yeah. I I can't say it really like you know made a big difference in terms of the experience, but um, I don't I don't 
if you want good 3D, I think you'll get it. The the one scene that was so worth the 3D, and I don't know if it, it makes it worth you know, all of it, but that one shot of the Star Destroyer just sitting there, and it looks like it's just filling up the whole cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was the only real... Well, that and the crawl at the beginning was, was pretty Actually, cool the dog 3D. fights looked really good. The, the, uh, the yeah, dog fights on Jakku. I, I, I saw it both in 2D and in 3D, and all of the dog fights and stuff, they happen so fast that I never really felt like I could appreciate the, the, the 3D-ness, 3D-ness of it, um, right. if that makes any sense. Uh, I'm, yeah, I, I, I would not say don't see it in 3D. It's not like you'll feel like you wasted your money. I just didn't think the, the 3D added that much to it except for like that one scene where that the Star Destroyer is just... You feel like you could reach out and just touch the point of it. Yeah. Uh, the la- I think the last film that I saw in 3D was The Martian, and it was... And the only reason I saw it in 3D was because the next 2D showing was going to be an hour and a half away. So, <laughs> so I, went, I went ahead and got the ticket. But, uh, and it, it was, it was worth it. But, um, but yeah, m- most of the time, especially when I find out that the film has been uh, post-conversion 3D, I just, yeah. I, I just skip it. Cause you know, they even, before Lucas sold Star Wars to Disney, he started to release all the Star Wars movies in 3D, but they were all post-conversion. And the only one that he actually released was episode one. And uh, I took my son to see it, and I was like, "Oh God, it's Episode One!" But you know, <laughs> I thought maybe the 3D would save it. But it was it was post conversion, and you could tell it just it, it you know it wasn't it wasn't worth it was worth going to see a Star Wars film on the big screen, you know. But it wasn't worth the extra money that they charged you to see it in 3D. Uh, we're back to kneecapping again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. if they if they had kept going, they were supposed to release one every year, and uh, you know, starting with the prequels because Lucas he is adamant that you're supposed to watch these films in numerical order, you know. So he uh, he released the first one, then he was going to release the second one the next January. Every January he was going to come out with a new one, but then after Episode One, like two months later, is when the the Disney deal came down and Disney cut that off because they were going to start working on the force awakens you know so which i'm glad i'd, I'd rather have the force awakens than episode two <laughs> than episode two and episode three in, yeah. in 3d you know but but uh so um we'll talk about some different aspects of the film but what did you uh just as a whole just seeing star wars for the first time a new story in uh how long has it been what how long has it been since episode three came out? Like 12, 13 years? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, what did you think of the film as a whole? I'll start, John, I'll start with you. You told me. Yeah. I, I mean, that was great. I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, I, there were, I don't want to, I don't want to start with a negative because, of, you know, I, I, I absolutely, I just, <laughs> Um, I felt like uh, uh, some of the more obvious references to the uh, to the original trilogy um, were a little heavy-handed. Like you know, you sit down and oh, the, the chessboard like stuff. Hey, you remember the chessboard? Yeah. And here, here's the training ball. Hey, you guys remember the training ball? Remember that? Because it's Star Wars. Remember? I just I I, I guess I knew it was cute. 
Um, I kind of could have done without it, but <laughs> as problems go, that's not really a problem. You know, it, it was. Um, I, I I thought it was great. I loved um, I loved the characters. Um, I, I like that I like them individually, and not just you know. But some characters you kind of are only interesting in their relationship to um, like they kind of need like their pair. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, like um, <laughs> like C three PO. You know, without our Judito, yeah, do you really want to watch C three PO? I don't know. Maybe you don't. Um, but yeah, like all of the, we'll call them the new generation. Um, I, I like them. I like them. I like them individually. I like them interacting. Um, I'm very much looking forward to uh, episode eight. Yeah. And of course, BB-8 was <laughs> adorable. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody likes BB-8. <laughs> Bill Hader. Doing the voice, the, I say the voice, but they used Bill Hader's voice, Bill Hader, of course, from Saturday Night Live, um, to to do all the sound effects that uh, that come out of BB-8, which I, I well he did he he did he did them and um, I can't remember the actor's name, but um, uh, the kind of fast talking guy from uh, House of Lies. Um, the the two of them the two of them together yeah, they they both did the bleach the groups yeah which I don't know why you need a big celebrity to do the to do that other than this actor just really wants to be in a Star Wars movie <laughs> <You know? laughs> pretty much yeah Rick I loved it I loved it far more than I have any right to um, <laughs> I you know I in fact my best friend. Uh, who was he was the best man at my wedding we've known each other since high school uh, and I have had something of a I, I disagree well it, it's not so much an argument so much as he is you know constantly giving me WTF messages on Facebook every time I post anything positive about the movie <laughs> because he, <laughs> he 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 didn't hate it but like like what you were saying John is this it, it's it is very derivative it's almost a, a carbon copy of A New Hope and by all rights I should despise the film for that and yes the fans <laughs> the fan service does get to be a little bit much at some points uh, but then if you look at, at the 2009 Star Trek JJ did a lot of that too that's kind of his thing um, I, there's a, a, a podcast I listen to uh, called uh, the Science Fiction Film Podcast. And I was listening to their take on the film, and they pointed out something that really took the curse off of it for me, which is that J.J. Abrams had one hell of a job to do with this movie. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, I don't think any film since the beginning of cinema came with so much baggage attached to it, so much expect, so many expectations, not to mention the sort of Damocles of we remember the uh, we remember the prequels, you know, dude. And if you if you screw this up, there'll be a lynch mob outside your house. Um, plus, he had you know a, an incredible amount of money sunk into it from investors. Uh, you know, he had two different studios that he had to answer to, plus himself, his reputation. 
uh, plus bringing in Carrie Fisher and, and Harrison Ford uh, and Peter Mayhew and Anthony Daniels and trying to mix, you know, get all of the, the old crowd in and, and bring in these new people uh, and just the juggling act he had to do to make this film work. Uh, I don't blame him at all for playing it a little safe. Yeah. And and the way it felt to me, the analogy I made to this is it was like finding your old baseball glove in your mom's attic. And you put it on, and it's a little too tight now, but it feels really good. And you maybe even go out and get someone to play, you know, <laughs> throw the ball around with you for a bit. And, and you're catching, it's like, oh, wow, maybe I should get back into playing the game. This is This feels really great. But then after a couple hours of throwing the ball, it starts to chafe in weird places because it doesn't quite fit anymore. Yeah. And, and you're like, okay, that was fun, but I'm going to put this away and go get a new glove. I, am, I loved almost every frame of this movie, but I am so ready to, I, you know, okay, we might as well just get this out of the way. You know, Han is gone. Yeah. Han Solo is dead now, and I have to say I'm not that that scene didn't bother me at all. I didn't shed a tear for Han, um, and, and we can go into the, the, the details of that why later. But um, I would really like to. I mean, obviously we're we're now going to see a lot more of Luke in the next film. Um, but you know, if if all we saw of Carrie Fisher anymore from, of this was you know like maybe uh, you know an end, ending tableau or you know something like that. Uh, that would be fine. Uh, it was great seeing them, but it was also very difficult to watch them because, you know, I I didn't expect to see twenty year old Princess Leia anymore. Yeah. But also, you know, it's like that where you if you live with somebody and you don't notice them aging until so you look like at a picture of them from you know or even yourself. You know, you look at yourself twenty years ago. Like, wow, how did that happen? Um, as opposed to. <laughs> Not see, <laughs> yeah. As opposed to when you, you meet somebody that you haven't seen in 20 years and it's just all of a sudden they're a thousand years older. Uh, it was very hard for me to watch Carrie Fisher, to watch Princess Leia and Han Solo, uh, even 3 PO. You know, I, I give Abrams credit for his, his camera angles trying to not let us see just and and it's not a, a slight on Anthony Daniels, but he was always such a little skinny guy. Yeah. But now he's sixty years old and he doesn't fit into the old three PO suit, so it's much thicker than it ever was. Um, you know, so I'm ready to uh, and well, I'm also totally upgrades. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also totally smitten with Daisy Ridley, and not in not in a creepy pervert way. I just think she is <laughs> a breath of fresh air. Uh, it, you know, I, I could. I, I have watched just about every interview I could find with her, and she just seems to be this amazingly wonderful person. But she also just acted the hell out of Ray. She yeah. was amazing. Uh, you know, so I want to see more of her. I want to see more of John Boyega. I loved uh, Finn. I loved it when you know. I loved the fact that he picked up a a, 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 a lightsaber and was able to use it. Uh, you know. Uh, you know, a lot of people are pissed off about that, but speaking as someone who has had some martial arts training, he's a freaking stormtrooper. Yeah, he's he trained. He would, he's trained right. a, <laughs> he would you know, have sense that he would have some combat training. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not, yeah. Uh, you know, I, he wasn't good with it, and it, as soon as as soon as he landed a shot on on Ren, Ren went, "All right, enough of this," and took him out. Yeah. 
but yeah, and anyway, those, those are all quibbles. Anyway, I love the movie, uh, and uh, and uh, I, I like I said, I saw I saw it three times, and the third time I saw it in the IMAX 3D super sound, it was awesome, and I got choked up at the same parts again. And and uh, when it comes out on Blu-ray, I will own it, and. I am happy to be happy to be a Star Wars fan again for the first time in 30 years. And, and I, I, I was I was in love with it. You know, I, like I said, I've only seen it once, but my wife was making fun of me after the film because she said that she's never sat through a movie with me, and I didn't eat popcorn the whole time. It was like as soon, <laughs> as, soon as the as soon as the opening crawl started. I stopped eating popcorn and I stopped drinking soda and I just sat there and just watched this movie, you know. And you know, I had a couple of problems with it, and I'll, I'll talk about some of the a couple of the issues that I had with it. But overall, you know, it it felt like Star Wars. That was the main issue that I had with the with the uh, the, the the prequels was that it wasn't necessarily that they were bad movies because, like I said, the the third one is, you know, it was a decent movie. You know, it's just, it didn't feel like Star Wars. It didn't feel the way that I feel when I watch the original trilogy. I watched A New Hope with my daughter today. Of course, it was special edition, but it was still, you know. <laughs> it was a new, new hope. It, it was a new hope, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, it, it, it just felt, you know, the ships looked like Star Wars ships and the... And the stormtroopers looked like Star Wars stormtroopers. You know, their outfits were a little different, but overall, you know, and the music, the music, it was Star Wars music. You know, we got the Imperial March and we got the, uh, we, we got the, um, which I don't know what they call the music that plays in A New Hope when, uh, Luke is looking at the, at the sunset. Yeah. The actual name of that. I think we heard it in The Force Awakens about four times. You know, but, and every time I was like, oh, there's that music again. You know, I love, <laughs> but I love that music. But, um, but yeah, it, it was, it, it was a great movie. But a couple of things, um, what did you guys think of? Well, we'll talk about the, uh, the old characters first. I mean, which we, we, Rick, you talked about it a little bit, but, uh, Harrison Ford had a lot more to do with this film than I thought he was going to have. You know, when I heard that he was going to be in it, I thought it was going to be maybe, a 10 minute segment in the middle or something like that, you know, but he was, he actually had a big part in this, uh, in this film. So, uh, I, I agree. I, I actually appreciate the way they did it. Like, I, you know, I, and again, I don't know if this all goes down to Abrams or not, but, um, if they hadn't put him in basically most of the movie, yeah. Um, his his death toward the end would have been a lot cheaper, or I would have felt a lot matter. Like, you know, I, I hate when they when they bring characters in just to kill them, right? And I think I think that um, having him, you know, basically go through the journey, the first leg of the journey with um, with our two new heroes. You know, basically walk them through the door of the Star Wars um, into the Star Wars party yeah. um, before before he before he takes his exit is 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 the way to do it. Or, or like you know, Rick said he didn't shed a chair, it didn't really bother him. I wouldn't go that far. 
I mean, I didn't shed a tear. <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean, I, I certainly felt the oh, that sucks. But they, again, he he was in most of the movie, so you don't feel gypped. And they they telegraph basically from the moment you find out, you know, what the relationship is between Kylo and Han. It's probably not going to work out well for one of them, <laughs> one or both of them. Well, you know, Ford's um, been trying to kill Harris Solo for uh, since the end of Star yeah. Wars. <laughs> yeah, he, he wanted when when he when he went into the Carbonite, he wanted that to be it for uh, for Han Solo when they talked him into coming back. But because he didn't want to work with the Ewoks, <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to get out of it. Yeah. But contract. Um, <laughs> the only problem I had with Ford uh, in in the movie and this this really only affected me the first time I saw it. And Sean, this is one of the reasons why you definitely need to see it a second time because I have heard this not only from myself, but from just about everybody I've talked to, especially people in, don't take this the wrong way, but older people. (laughs) You know, uh, those of us who were fans of the original movies that even remember seeing them in the theaters and stuff, remember that those those giddy days of of the wonder of, of the original Star Wars is that when you see it the first time, you're almost emotionally clenched through the whole film, waiting for the suck to happen. And then when it doesn't, and you're like, okay, that was really good. Then you see it a second time, and you can relax and just enjoy the movie. Right, yeah. Um, Which is exactly what I did. The first time through it, there were scenes where I thought that Harrison Ford looked like your 73-year-old grandfather trying to do a Han Solo impression and not being able to keep a straight face while doing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I didn't have that Soul. problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't feel that as much the second and third time I saw it with this caveat. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, of a certain age where I rarely make it through a film without having to, to go to the bathroom at least once. Uh, and both second times I saw it, I managed, I timed it so that I would go during the stupid squid monster scene. And that's when most of Harrison Ford's objectionable acting <laughs> was. Um, so, you know, things like in 30 years, you've never fired Chewbacca's bowcaster, really. Uh, yeah, really, yeah. You know, I stuff like, like this that. Thing. <laughs> I, found, I found that hard to believe, but I thought it was cute. It was cute. Uh-huh. It just was a little like, uh, how long have you guys been together? <laughs> I think. I think it also, um, in terms of the plot, um, you know, Han being so fascinated with it, you know, he shoots a few times. Wow, this thing really does damage. So that at the end, when Chewbacca shoots Kylo with it, and he just kind of bends over instead of getting blown back, you know, forty feet, um, you're like, oh, okay, all right, dude. Well, you knew he was a badass, but apparently he's a really bad badass. And it kind of makes it kind of it kind of makes more sense too that you know um, that uh, Finn lasted as long as he did during the fight because clearly he wasn't Kylo wasn't one hundred percent. So you know, people I've I've seen this too, like people complaining about oh he he just picked up a lightsaber and he can match Kylo Ren, and she just picked up a lightsaber. Well, no, he just got shot. With a cannon, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and and the first time I saw it, I remember thinking it was odd that he would he would do the the he would he would hit the wound to kind of you know make the blood spill, 
And I interpreted that as um, him pumping himself, him pumping up his, his dark side. Yeah. You know, he, he, is, he is releasing the blood of his father, He's you know, to make way for the, you know, the fours. But I, and, and also, you know, to kind of keep his adrenaline going. Um, but I think it's also he's... I don't, that's how he's dealing with the wound. Um, I don't know. It's, well, I, I took it I as know. he was just trying to keep the pain up, and the pain was giving right. him strength. Right. And I thought that um, as far as... Well, I mean, it may be more of a tribute to the writing, but when Han talked, when Harrison Ford talked, it sounded like Han Solo, like something Han Solo would say when he was talking to Chewie. You know, the things he would say back and forth to Chewie. It sounded like, you know, Han Solo. You know, which was something that I didn't feel when I saw Crystal Skull. I, I didn't think yeah. he was, he's, he's not really talking like Indiana Jones, you know. But in this one, he was he was he was talking like Han Solo. It sounded like was that Peter Mayhew in the in the Chewie costume? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, it that was. explains a lot because I was like, Chewie's not doing much. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's not running, you know. He's not jumping behind anything because Peter Mayhew, you know, he's 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 got some moving around issues, you know. He's yeah, he's getting well, he, older. He's got, and, well, he's got uh, acromegaly, so yeah, yeah. So so that, that generally doesn't do well on the knees and the ankles. Yeah, so that's so that's. That explains a little bit of that because I, I thought that well they're bringing back everybody else what, would they bring back Peter Mayhew but I didn't realize that that was actually him in the costume so I didn't. Well, it was like with uh, with C three PO uh, Abrams offered Anthony Daniels said if you don't want to get back back in the suit you can just do the voice and Daniels like hell no yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm playing the robot you know they kind of did that with um, um, in the prequels like. Uh, the guy that does uh, for half of Phantom Menace. The guy that does R two D two. The guy that that's Kenny in the, Baker. Yeah, Kenny Baker. He what he was in there some, but he wasn't in there all the time. You know, they just put him in there a little bit so that they could put him in the credits. Yeah, say Kenny Baker is R two D two. So I didn't know if you know Peter Mayhew is going to be in the Chewie costume for this one scene so we can put him in the credits, but <laughs> but in the rest of the movie it's going to be some wrestler or something like that. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was all me who like yeah. like it was with Anthony Daniels, but uh, you know certainly for the face shots and the close ups, it was definitely Peter yeah. me. So as far as the new characters, would you? I mean, I, we talked a little bit about uh, Daisy Ridley as uh, as Ray and John Boyega. What about um, would you think of uh, Adam Driver's portrayal of uh, Kylo Ren? Was he evil enough for you? I loved that he was a punk. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah. it, it shows how far the the empire, you know, what's left of the empire, the first order, yeah. how far down that their their version of Darth Vader is this disgruntled kid <laughs> who's pissed at his daddy. Yeah, uh, you know, I, and I I didn't like him at first. It took a while for me to warm up to the character, and he's certainly nowhere near as cool as he thinks he is. But you know who who of us were you know at at fourteen or eighteen or whatever. Right, I, I, th- I think that's kind of the charm. Like he he knows it's an act. Like he, he knows that yeah, it's, it's like being in high school. You know, <laughs> you're, just, you're waiting for everybody to figure out how big of a fraud you are. Or maybe that was just my experience. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like I I, I think um, his 
blatant hero worship and um, despite seemingly be the most powerful force user around um, he knows he knows like that's his whole that's his whole persona is like I don't know I'm not as good I don't know I'm not as good I don't know I'm not as good but as long as I can convince everybody else that I'm that bad uh, then I can you know then I'll get to be that bad and it, it could have been annoying, I guess. But um, and and you do still hold out some degree of hope for him, um, conflicted hope because you don't know if you really want to forgive him after the whole patricide thing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think. Kylo was the villain that this movie needed. He fit perfectly with the film. Now, it, it's kind of like the, the conversations that were going around when uh, when Heath Ledger's Joker came out, and, pe- and there were the inevitable comparisons between Heath Ledger and Jack Nicholson, and even with Cesar Romero. Uh, and and what I like to tell people when we get into those talks is, all three of those guys were the perfect jokers for the material they were in. Cesar Romero was the perfect joker for the 60s Batman series. Jack Nicholson was the perfect joker for Burton's Batman movie. And Heath Ledger was the perfect joker for Nolan's Batman movie. I think Kylo was the perfect baddie for this film. You know, he was not Darth Vader by any stretch. I, I was walking through Publix the other day. That's our, our local grocery chain. And, uh, you know, there were pictures of Darth Vader on everything, and there were also pictures of Kylo Ren on everything. And I just... The, the contrast was so stark because Vader, especially if you just try to ignore the prequels, was always cool. You know, he was a badass, he was evil, he was reprehensible, but he was always in charge, and he was always in control. And he was always cool. Not not just in the cool, you know, hey, cool, but cool as in, with the exception of a few scenes in A New Hope when they still hadn't figured out his character yet, he was never, he never raised his voice, he never got excited and stuff like that. He was just always cool under pressure. Uh, Kylo Ren is exactly that. If, if, if I can use a D, some D&D terminology, uh, you know, Darth Vader was lawful evil, Kylo Ren is chaotic evil. <laughs> yeah, I love the, the scene where he, like, you know, the good guys get away and he smashes up the console. Like, yeah. that was very surprising. That was very surprising. But I, it was great. I was like, yeah, you can't even imagine Darth Vader doing that. You, you can't, your mind won't even process that. And he would never do that. And just walking it down the hall and they just turn around and start walking the other way. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, yeah. But it makes, was, it, go it's ahead, absolutely what this kid would do. No, I was saying it. Vader would never do that, but it's absolutely what this kid would do. And, like... Um, so yeah, that's one of the many subtle ways that they show, um, as much as he wants to be him, he's not even close. Yeah. Yeah. So- Kylo Ren was everything that Anakin should have been. <laughs> Probably whoever was writing the script knew that. <laughs> well, that, that actually brings, uh, let me, let me go ahead and bring this up now. Uh, I think this is as opportune a moment as any. I'd love to get y'all's opinion on this. Uh, especially after having seen George Lucas's comments in the press of late. Um, yeah, I was going to bring that up in a little while too. Yeah, 
um, and, and we don't have to go into that right now, but let's just say that the relationship between Lucas and Disney has not been as amicable as we might have been led to believe. I, I've been having, I've been kind of wavering back and forth between thinking that The Force Awakens, trying to get into JJ's head about this a little bit, is it homage or F you? <laughs> Well, because I mean, so many things of it are are like, like Maz Kanata's bar was the cantina scene, but done right. Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and it just seems well, like there's so many. I, I think. I think that's almost an impossible question because one could easily argue that the prequels weren't fu to the original trilogy, and Lucas did that. I think it was so, a few to the fans myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if, if you, if by doing an homage to the original, like, what I'm saying is Lucas put himself on both sides of the bay. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he, he created the original and then he was like, yeah, actually, you know what? Forget that. It's not that great. And then he, you know, remastered and added a whole bunch of stuff to the original and then he did the prequel, which in many ways undercut the original. So by doing an homage to the originals, he's already set himself up in opposition to, you know, Lucas 2.0. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So, like, I don't, I don't know that it can be one or the other if it has to be both. That's cool. I'll buy that. Yeah, I mean, from what I had heard when the Disney deal happened a few years ago, that um, what we've always been told is that George Lucas had always envisioned this to be a nine-part series, and that he came out with four, five, and six first because he thought that that was the one that would get made first as far as the best part of the story, and then he wanted to do one, two, and three next, and which I think is all a bunch of bullcrap, you know. I think he was... You know, he was just saying, oh, yeah, I, I knew that the whole time. Just like he knew uh, that that Luke and Leia were brother and sister the whole time. Well, then why are you having to make out in them parts? Yeah, that was, that was bad. <laughs> now, he, he did. He did back in, uh, I now don't quote me on when he said it. I think it was, it was before Jedi came out. But he did say in interviews that he had nine films in, in mind. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, yeah. so so when he signed the, when he signed the paperwork... Selling it all over to Disney. Um, what the the rumor was that he immediately then said, "Here are my ideas for seven, eight, and nine And they looked at him and said, "No, we're going to do something else." You know, yeah. which is their prerogative. They've paid for the they've paid for it now. It's their it's their property. But yeah, but I think that the che- cashing the check probably took some of the sting off of it. You know, he's taking. He's taking vacations on yachts and stuff like that. And from what I've heard, you know, the the deal, the official deal was for what was it, four billion dollars? Four, four billion, yeah. Yeah, and uh, but that was just what they paid for Lucasfilm. George Lucas personally got an undisclosed amount beyond that. That, from what I hear, is makes it closer to about a nine billion dollar deal. Oh, I'm not surprised. Lucas yeah, so. is not. Well, it, put it this way. Lucas took the money from the sale, that $4 billion, and then don- uh, donated it to an educational charity. 
And if you can take four billion and go, yeah, I don't need it here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not you're not hurting. Yeah. <laughs> so. so I just think I just think that um, that these comments that he the comment that he he was he was being interviewed with Charlie Rose, and he said something about he equated Disney with being white slavers. Yeah, and that like selling kinda, his children to white slavers. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, if that if that's true, which I mean, he wouldn't he wouldn't go beyond that. I think he realized that he was saying, he was going to. Oh, oh, he's yeah. been he's been backpedaling like crazy on that yeah. one the last two days. So, <laughs> it, if that analogy was correct, then you know, you sold your children. I mean, but George, George Lucas has been has been cashing in on the Star Wars name for decades, and, and I mean, yeah, I know the original trilogy came out and he was and this was his art and everything but he's been he's been flogging that mule for <laughs> ever since right. ever since the uh, special editions came out you know well even before that like there was never any movie merchandising ever like there was with Star Wars like it, it redefined what merchandising meant yeah. that that was, that was his genius right there it was the was merchandising when he started, when he started going back and making the special editions and everything, and changing things and putting new effects in and stuff, I watched the documentary that uh, when Anthony was on the show last uh, last episode, and he he recommended that documentary, The People versus George Lucas. I watched that yesterday, and I didn't realize it, but George Lucas was one of the people that was that came out the most against colorizing films in the 80s when they started colorizing everything all the black and white films you know ted turner wanted to colorize everything yeah and uh, george lucas was one of the ones saying no no these belong in the original format we shouldn't change these but then but then he turns around and puts all new special effects in his films every time he gets a chance you know and he won't and he would not me and uh, john and i were talking about this earlier he won't give us the original film he claims that it doesn't exist anymore; that it was destroyed, the, all the master tapes or whatever. So, which hopefully, hopefully Disney will give it to us one of these days. You know, the the original format with the I want to see it with the black matting still around the the ships and stuff, the, the way it was in the original. The that original. part I don't miss. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind the special effects upgrade. I mind the. Han shot first. Changing a significant. I tell you, you know what? Even Han shot first. The only one that really pissed me. I don't mind the extra beasts in the background. I don't mind the the wacky droid shenanigans where the speeder goes by. Um, replacing um, Anakin with little Anakin. Oh yeah. Um, no, it was in ghost form. Was was. Yeah, it was, and I yeah. didn't know. I didn't know that that was going to happen. I because I was. I. Uh, that's the one that pissed me off. Because yeah, again, that, completely they, unnecessary. Why didn't they replace uh, Alec Guinness with Ewan McGregor if they were going to do that? Because if when you die, right. when you die, you go back to being like a young guy again, then you would think that I think. Well, I think the and no one ever explained it. I presumed that you're saying that, okay, well, this is the last time that he was, this is the, this is the last form where he was most good, I guess. But, 
that kind of seems not to be the case since he was good at the end when he killed the emperor. Yeah. Like I just it, it, and it was uh, yeah. <laughs> I, and, and, you know, I guess you, you figure, okay, well, you never really see, you only see his actual face for, you know, a couple of minutes anyway, so, yeah, who cares? But no, I care. I care because it wasn't that way, <laughs> it wasn't that way before. And there was, and there's no reason to change it. There's no good reason to change it. That's, I'm, I think, I, I consider myself kind of flexible um, lore of stuff. Like I, I made this comparison um, a while ago, when before before Lucas sold to Disney, before there was talk of the uh, the third trilogy. Um, you know, people just generally ragging on the prequels, and I think I, I said something to the effect of. Well, okay. Well, everybody knows that Star Wars is just basically the hero story, just you know, with various archetypes set in space. And if you think of it that way, and in the tradition of oral storytelling, you know, people sitting around the campfire um, and they tell stories down from generation to generation, the way that um, the hero story is done, everybody every new storyteller makes a change. You know, they change it because they think this part should go there or they think this would be cooler if they did that instead of this. So it is part of the tradition to change the story. Um, and Lucas did that. He made a change because, you know, he, oh, you actually know it would be better if it went this way. But the problem is, it's not oral stories. <laughs> the problem is, you know, it's been seen by, you know, 8 billion people, and everybody has a copy. And it's one thing if it's just your little campfire, like the 12 Days of Christmas song. Like, I, like, if you ever get a group of people who didn't grow up together singing the 12 Days of Christmas, and they all sing it differently... You, you, you ever notice that? Like, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's twelve ladies. No, no, it's twelve ladies dancing. Because around your campfire, you do it differently. But the problem is, with movies, we're all around the same campfire. So when you change it, sorry, I almost, I almost used a bad word. <laughs> but you do that, you do that, you do that bad word to everybody's memory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I would like to say one thing while we're while we are uh, crapping on Lucas here. Um, and if, if if I mean, it's, it's his right to do it. Well, yeah, no, I, right yeah, no, I I don't disagree I with you at all. Uh, one of the most valuable lessons I ever learned uh, was from uh, uh, my scene painting teacher when I was in college, and he was like, "Dude, sometimes every night, you know, there comes a point where you just got to put the brush down and walk away." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's yeah. done. It's as done as it's going to get. No matter whether you think it sucks or not, you're done. Put the brush down, yeah. clean it out, go start another project. Um, but no, one thing I'm making it work. Yeah, um, I, I would like to point out that while I think Lucas is a terrible writer and a terrible director who got very lucky twice. Uh, 
<laughs> well, American, American Graffiti and, and Star Wars. Um, he did create the Star Wars universe, which no, I don't want to take anything away from the fact that he created this sandbox that we love to play in, that we love to talk about. We love to watch movies when they don't suck. Um, but also, I don't think anyone since Thomas Edison has revolutionized the art and craft of filmmaking more than George Lucas. Uh, you know, he didn't he didn't necessarily do it himself, but he created an atmosphere where and and he set up companies like Industrial Light and Magic and Skywalker Ranch and and the innovations and pioneering efforts of the people he put together, the teams he put together, their importance to cinema as we know it today cannot be overstated. Uh, it, he is responsible for utterly changing the way movies are made. Uh, he has enabled the creation of so many technical leaps forward uh, in the way films are made. Things like you know the Dijkstra Flex camera, the Panaflex camera now. Um, you know, motion tracking, uh, go motion was a uh, was something that the ILM people came up with. Uh, steady cam, st- non linear editing, which has revolutionized uh, the editing field. All of these things are Lucasfilm derivatives. And as much as we like to to bash Lucas for what he did, both you know behind the camera and in the director's chair and, and in the writing and all that stuff. And this, to me, is the great tragedy of George Lucas, is that he doesn't see where his strengths really are. Um, you know, the marketing, we, you know, we kind of talked touched on that briefly, but when, when Fox bought Star Wars, when, when they bought the idea, Lucas even said, you know what, I will take less of the box office profits if you give me all the marketing. And at the time, marketing meant maybe you're going to put a picture from the film on a lunchbox. You know, there wasn't that. There wasn't the. It wasn't the multi-billion-dollar industry it is now. And Lucas knew that, and he saw that. And his genius in creating the marketing juggernaut that was Star Wars. Uh, you know, we we can talk about. Oh, you know, now we've got you know Darth Vader on freaking maxi pads. Um, and I wish I was making <laughs> that. that a terrifying thought. Um, but look at you know. How, do either of you own any collectibles that you can? You know, I'm looking at. I, I've got a in, just without turning my head. I see Godzilla, two Enterprises. Uh, I turn my head a little bit. I've got phasers. I've got batlets. I've got I've got stuff everywhere from the franchises that I love. I've got an X-wing sitting over against the the, the wall <laughs> that I got for Christmas. I'm 51. I got an X-wing for Christmas, and I love it. Um, you know, and all of this is because George Lucas went. You know what? I'll bet kids will buy the shit out of these toys. Yep. And pardon my French, but I, <laughs> I, needed, how, I needed to put how it. How many uh, how many uh, characters did he create specifically? Just to a make silly a toy, damn toy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, and any uh, that's the part he doesn't seem to get. That's like you know, it, it's like the man sitting on top of a mountain of gold, going, "Oh, if only I could get that one more thing." <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Well, uh, <laughs> sorry. I want to go back to um, go back to the Force Awakens for. Oh, are we talking about that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? Uh, so, one of the big questions in the film. Well, first of all, uh, Luke Skywalker. Um, 
he just shows up at the very end. He doesn't have any lines, which is kind of the way I thought it was going to work out. I, I he, thought he might have one line. I was yeah, I thought he'd say anything. something. I was waiting for him to say something, but he didn't say anything. But th- do you think that if he had been in the film more, that it would have been too much with him, him and Han and Leia all being there together at the same yeah. time? Yeah, I kind of uh, feel that way too. But I, I don't know. You know, it's it's kind of impossible for me to say. Uh, you know, it would depend on how it was done. It, yeah, uh, originally, it was planned for him to be more to be more Luke in the movie, and they realized every time they put him in a scene, it pulled away from what else was going on as they were trying to establish these new characters. So I think right. it, I think it was a really good move to not do that, uh, to not have him in until the very end and make him the MacGuffin. Uh, but you know, without seeing how they would have done it if he had been in it more, I, I really can't say whether it would have been too much or not. Yeah, it would. I think it would have either taken away from uh, from Ray and Finn, or the movie would have been a whole lot longer. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Well, well, Abrams' initial cut was like two hours and forty five minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, and I also like I also like that, you know, the search for him um, is is you know kind of the driving force of the movie. And again, you know, to get meta with it, search for Star Wars, the soul, quote unquote, of Star Wars. You know, what is this franchise gonna be? I guess as our heroes, you know, go on their quest. Um, I, I like that he's. <laughs> I like that he's the prize at the end of the serial box. I like that. <laughs> he should be. Well, one of the prob- <laughs> one of the the I didn't have a whole lot of problems with the plot, but one of the problems that I have. And I think it's an Abrams thing, is that, um, so R2-D2 had the piece to the puzzle that they needed the entire time. And it was kind of telegraphed because C-3PO said, there's no way he has it. Mm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then he wakes up at the end and, oh, here it is, and just puts it up there. So it kind of reminded me of Star Trek 09 when Spock shows up, which Spock shows up in both movies and kind of gives them a piece of the puzzle that they need, yeah. you know, to, to, to figure out what's what's going on. So that may be an Abrams thing where he just feels like he has to he has to uh, tie everything well, up by just having somebody just happen to have all the information that they need, you know, at the, at the I didn't, moment. But. I didn't so much have a problem with that. I had a, you know, I just had to swallow it basically from, from scene one. Here's a map to Luke. Who made a map to Luke? Yeah. Why, why do well, you have a map? That doesn't make sense. And, and that was explained. The final... That, that, that was finally that was explained uh, in an interview I saw um, with Abrams. Uh, well, I think it was in here. I've seen so many things over the past two weeks, trying to keep track where things came from. Because <laughs> because my big problem with that, even when they they had the incomplete part of the map, I'm like, you space travel isn't like. A treasure map. You don't go to this planet and turn left right. and then go to this planet. Yeah. What that if map I have was. the final location, what, why do I need a map? Yeah. I guess well, that the, was my thing. If, yeah. If I can what do that, that with my with my smartphone, if you just give me the address, <laughs> I can get there. Like, you don't need to... <laughs> and, and that's... that's yeah, the, hyperdrive. It, it wasn't, you have to go here and then here and then here and then here to get to Luke. What that was, that map was the route that Luke was taking, the, the, that Luke found as he was looking for all of the old Jedi temples. And so his search took him, you know, to this planet and from there he found a piece and then he went to that planet and found more. And so he was hopscotching across the galaxy, finding Jedi temples and the ultimate 
the first Jedi Temple, the one he was looking for, is the one where he stopped. And that's what that well, map was. Uh, well, that's fine, but that still doesn't answer if I have the final dot at the end. What do I care about the line that led up to it? Like, if, well, if, if my goal is to find you, and but you're that, at the well, they, they may have they may have had the planet that he was on, but the, it's like, it, it, do, do you, you have the planet that he's on, but you don't know what solar system it's in, you know that kind of thing. So, so R two D two had I guess. had the map that had you know the rest of the galaxy, so that they knew what solar system that he was in in relation to this little piece that BB eight had. You know, but All right. but you're right. It doesn't really hold up to that much scrutiny. <laughs> <laughs> I was just assuming that it was something that was going to have to be explained in the second one. And speaking of stuff that's going to be explained in the second one, uh, right. who do you think Ray is? Because I kind of thought for a while, well, that's Han and Leia's daughter, and she got abandoned on that planet for some reason. Maybe they thought she was dead or something like that. But then at the end, they kind of made it. Looked like well maybe maybe that's Luke's daughter you know so and they never really answered it or do you think that it's any of the above or is she just some other person? I am ninety percent sure she is Kylo Ren's sister. She, I know what I'm thinking. She's but. definitely a Skywalker, but I think the the film is so heavily trying to make you think she's Luke's daughter that I I really think she's Han and Leia's daughter. However. And they go ahead. Uh, I would be cool with it either way. Uh, I've also well, uh, go ahead, John. I don't want to start throwing out all the things. Well, no, no. I, I was I. My money is on she is Luke's daughter, um, Luke and somebody, obviously, um, because I can't like if you're Leo. And you've been searching for your brother forever, not only because he's your brother and he's lost, but also because he may be the key to, you know, saving the galaxy. Um, you finally get the map to him, but you don't go. You send this girl you just met. Like, the only reason that makes sense is if she has a, an equal, if not greater, connection to him than you do. But there's no reason that Leia wouldn't go. You know, Chewie had to go because he was co-piloting and, um, R2, because he had the map. Like, I know we're only two people, the only two entities <laughs> that, that went with her. And why they didn't, you know, <laughs> just drop her off higher up on the stairway, you know, fine, <laughs> fine, yeah. fine. She's, she's hardy. She can make that climb. Not a problem. Um, but, yeah, like, and the, the fact that they made this such a personal moment between these two, um, you know, aside from the whole force flashbacks and, you, you know, all of that stuff, like, I, th- that to me is kind of the, the smoking gun of evidence, is that she was the only one who saw him first, when there are all these other people who had, um, is a right to be there. Well, I've got several reasons why I think uh, why I think she's Hans, Hans and Leia's. Um, there were several times where, well, first we have uh, Han offering her a job on the Falcon. Yeah. Uh, now, granted, any of these things I'm about to say could also apply to if she's if she's Luke's daughter. 
But uh, I just, I, I really, my, my gut is saying that it's going the other way. When they're on the uh, the Starkiller base and Han notices her climbing around in the on the walls of the trench, uh, there's a close-up of him and there is a look of pride on his face that, yeah, it could be, hey, my niece is pretty badass, but I, I, it really, to me, looks more like proud daddy, but I still can't tell her who she really is. Yeah. Um, there's also the fact that Kylo Ren, every time someone mentions there's a girl, suddenly he, ha- he it, they have his undivided attention, whether they want it or not. Um, I don't think he knows that she's his sister, but there's something about her that he suspects. Uh, you know, his reluctance to kill her at any point in the film. Uh, her strength in the Force, to, to me, just says she's a Skywalker. Um, but it just... We see how strong Kylo is, and he is definitely Han and Leia's kid. Well, there's also the fact that when she... Well, first of all, she jumps in the Millennium Falcon, and she automatically knows how to fly it. You know, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and when they take when they take off, they're in space for all of three minutes before Han and Chewie find her. Yeah, you know, so that tells me Han's hanging out in this system a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe yep. he knows she's down there. Maybe he's keeping an eye on her. Yep, that was another something. thing. You know, so and then the last the, well, uh, to to answer uh, the the criticism which I've also heard before. Uh, about why didn't Leia go to Luke? Uh, we don't know what their relationship is. We don't know whether there was, you know, a falling out or anything like that. Uh, but also, if the reason Luke went into exile was because of his failure with Kylo, what better way to try to bring him back than to send him another chance, a chance to redeem himself with Kylo's sister? And. Yeah. And, and this is, I will grant you, this is kind of silly, but when they left to go look for Luke, Chewie took the co-pilot seat. Yeah. All of that together could add up to absolutely nothing. I've also heard a theory that she's, someone's saying she's Obi-Wan's granddaughter. Sure, why not? Um, I just, I'm having fun looking for reasons why my theory that she's Han's daughter fits. I think I would be disappointed, I guess, if, if it turns out they're a brother and a sister. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm giving um, this episode a lot of, I'm cutting it a lot of slack on um, retread yeah. <laughs> of, the, of, the, of the original trilogy, because like you said, it was kind of an impossible task. And so, you know, you wanted to make something that you know, it was familiar, and I'm fine with that for this movie. But if, you know, if you're basically telling the first trilogy story over again with slight variations, uh, I'm, I'm gonna be annoyed. Uh, it'll, it'll be kind of a wasted opportunity, I think. So I, I, I think, I, again, not that, not that his daughter instead of his daughter isn't just a slight variation, but, um, it's, at least more different than the whole secret brother sister days. Yeah, true. 
nothing that does not what they're doing. I'm just preparing you for my annoyance. <laughs> now, the upside to her being Luke's daughter is that then we have a possibility of getting Mara Jade actually put into canon, which would make me very happy. Yeah. Yeah, she's from the she's from the novels, right? Or yeah. The comics. Yeah. yeah. She was introduced well, I think she was introduced in the Timothy Zahn Heir to the Empire books. Right. Uh, those okay. are the only I've I've read very little of the expanded universe books because every time I've tried to read them they're so awful. <laughs> so badly written I just couldn't expand it. Uh, I almost didn't finish the Thrawn trilogy because it was so repetitive, but uh, I was able to find the third book on audio, so edited audio book. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll get through that. Um, but Mara Jade, who was, she was set up as, uh, if you're not familiar with her folks, uh, was a character in the, in the, the, the Star, the Star, oh, oh, Star Wars novels. Um, she was described as the right hand of the Emperor. She was like his, his own personal assassin. Uh, and she goes after Luke after uh, the Battle of Endor. And then through many, many, many misadventures, he eventually turns her to the light side of the Force and they end up getting married and having kids as a kid or something like that. Um, so if Rey is actually Luke's daughter, then there's some hope that they could somehow bring Mara Jade into it, and, and I would love to see that character made, made real-ish. Real, I don't know if that's the way really it Well, um, so the last thing that I wanted to talk about before we um, say goodnight would be the they're going to make standalone films between all these saga films. And the first one comes out next Christmas. It's called uh, Star Wars Rogue One. And it's going to kind of be about, you know, Princess Leia had the Death Star plans in the in the first movie, so this is how she got those plans. And um, so, do you think these soldiers that died died to bring these plans? Yeah, before they died. Do you think that these standalone films are going to be as big as the saga films? No way. You don't think so? No way. We were just looking at the box office mojo last night. Uh, or or uh, simply syndicated movie news, and um, the Force Awakens has surpassed one billion dollars in box office. Uh, I, I what two weeks, three weeks? Yeah, something like that. Um, there is no way any of these lesser films are going to come even close to that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's true, but it, it's like I think um, you know once again uh, bringing the Marvel movies into it, like Marvel kind of changed the game. Like I don't think it's like the difference between um, Ant Man and an Avengers movies. Yeah, the Avengers movies gonna do way better box office, but Ant Man's still gonna be a hit just because it's part of this universe. Yeah, yeah, I think people are are. Uh sufficiently starved enough for new uh Star Wars entertainment that they'll they'll go out and see it but I don't think they're gonna go out and see it three or four times like they're going to see this one. And like they'll probably go see episode eight when it comes out. So I think they're gonna they're unless, gonna be unless it's amazing. Which yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no I'm not saying they're gonna tank, but they're just yeah, it, I think the Ant Man versus versus the Avengers is an excellent allegory. Well, remember the last time that we got 
standalone films that took place in the Star Wars universe, it was the Ewoks Caravan of Courage. <laughs> you know? uh, no, I, I do not remember that actually. <laughs> or the or the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> we talked about that last time. Yeah, that I remember. There were actually two Ewoks movies that came out. They were made for TV films. They came out oh. after Return of the Jedi. And, uh, and it, I mean, it was just, it was an Ewoks movie. And there were people in them, but they were mostly Ewoks. So, they're pretty bad. <laughs> they're pretty bad. <laughs> okay, so, um, I guess that's gonna, that's gonna wrap us up. We thought, well, I mean, we could go on all night. I could go on all night talking, yeah. about, this, <laughs> talking about this film. And, uh, we'll probably talk about it a little bit more. Maybe on the next show, if uh, Anthony or Hi Chan are able to join us, they'll probably have some things to say about it. But uh, our next episode will probably mostly be about upcoming films in 2016. We're just going to go down the list of some of the big stuff that's coming out and talk about it. 2016, so, uh, we're going to be spending most of it in the theaters. From what yeah, I it's a there's a there's year. a lot of stuff coming out, and it, it's, there's a lot. Well, I mean. A lot of sequels, a lot of reboots, like there always is. But there's 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 going to be some interesting stuff coming out this year, with with uh, Captain America: Civil War coming up, and uh, and of course, like I said before, Star Wars: Rogue One coming out in uh, Christmas at Christmas of next year. So we'll talk about all that um, next time around. But um, that's going to do it for this episode of Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. Uh, John, thanks for being here with me. My pleasure as always. And Rick, it's always a pleasure, sir. Well, thank you. It's always fun to talk with y'all. And just to let you guys know where we can be found, we are, of course, on iTunes. You can also find us on the Stitcher and the Spreaker apps. Uh, all of our episodes are on our website at CosmicPotato.com, along with my blog. And uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know what you think. Tell us what you want to hear us talk about. And we're going to talk to you again real soon. So until then, take care of yourselves. May the force be with you, and we'll see you in the future.